Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, we are back. The NBA season has started. I feel different, so should you. BJ Armstrong, good morning, my friend. How's everything on your end, and how is your NBA opening week treating you? NBA week, Eric, has been fabulous. The excitement is in the air. The intensity is back. We've gotten through the preseason, and we have a lot to talk about, my friend. There was a lot of things going on, surprises, the battle for L.A. Let's get right into it. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. The season is less than 48 hours old, and you you already have emerging stories. Let's start with the battle for L.A. Thankfully, the basketball gods and the basketball karma we uh, all seem to be lucky enough to have uh, landed uh, landed a ticket in my lap for Tuesday. And the <laughs> atmosphere at Staples Center, as a, mind you, obviously, I'm a neutral observer walking into this arena. I'm, I have no rooting interests, even though, obviously, I'm... Is, not- are you a neutral or are you a Celtic observer? That's true. I did wear my green NBA socks with, <laughs> with, with, my, with my Jordans proper. So... Obviously, I'm rooting for the Clippers, but it's more so enjoying the environment and getting a feel for this. And you want to talk about electric, just getting out at L.A. Live. And you have Laker fans, Clipper fans, security, celebs, the whole TNT setup. You've got the protesters out there for Hong Kong. Uh, It was madness, but it was all under control. And entering the building... Um, you know, a few minutes before uh, tip-off. And there was just this vibe that I don't think I've ever felt for, uh, you know, an opening night game, a regular season game, a Christmas game. It's 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 been a while since I felt a vibe like that in a non-playoff atmosphere, but it was a playoff atmosphere. And, and let me say this before I, I uh, bounce pass back to you. When Kawhi Leonard gets up in front of the entire Staples Center with the microphone to address the crowd for a Clippers home game and is booed mercilessly by the Laker contingent. You just knew this was going to be something special, and it was was a great night uh, and obviously a a very competitive game, which we saw. Yeah, it's – this is without question currently – and as it should be because of the 16 championships that they, cur- that they currently have, this is a Lakers town, make no doubt about it. But the Clippers made a statement, Eric. 
And let's talk about it. Impressive statement. No Paul George. Obviously, no Kuzma and Rondo on the Lakers side. And the Lakers came out hot. They came out, uh, you know, aggressive. They took an early lead. And then, you know, it's it's this Doc Rivers DNA he infuses into teams where they can, you know, take take a few body blows, a few headshots, take the punches and then just calm it down and start to impose their will, which obviously starts first defensively on the game. And then uh, the thing that I was so impressed by, aside from the, the obvious t- collective toughness and poise, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is already trusting these brand-new teammates. I mean, yeah, he had great numbers and you know made some big shots, but he's trusting teammates. And you've got Mo Harkless, Jermichael Green, like having an impact on the game because there's trust and chemistry there. And obviously Lou Will and, and, and Montrez played very well too, but I uh, was just super impressed with that. I, I, I don't know what you felt from the, the Kawhi side and if you saw what I'm seeing, but that, that, that was a big call out for me with the Clippers right away in, in, a, in a big night in a, in a crazy environment. Well, the thing that you, that you saw the other night Eric and that we all saw live, you know, that I live out here and and the fans around the country and around the world. You know, there was a basketball game to be played Tuesday night. Between the lines, BJ, between the lines. Yes, there was a basketball game to be played. And everyone had the excitement. The whole basketball world was excited to see this game. You know, want to see the new Lakers. We want to see the, the new Clippers. And there was a basketball game to be played, but someone forgot to tell Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers turned back the hands of time. He didn't come there to win a basketball game. He brought his team there to let the Lakers know they're going to be in for a fight. That was a street fight. Love it. Okay, that reminds me of the old days of saying, you know what, winning and losing has nothing to do with this game. First, you got to let somebody know we here to fight. And the Clippers came with the idea to say, you know what? We're not asking you for permission to be the new king, the new champ of L.A. We're telling we're you. We're going to take it. We're telling you. We're going to take it. We're going to take it, okay? And the, the Lakers were playing basketball, trying to figure out how to win the game, and the Clippers came there to fight. The Clippers, they fought for every possession. They were the more physical team. They were in terrific condition. Their conditioning looked excellent. And most importantly, you said trust. Well, when you know that the guy next to you is ready to fight for you, it's easier to have a trust factor. And that's what you saw with the Clippers. The Clippers let everybody know, when you come here, you better come, to, you, you better come with a certain physicality to play. And that's what you saw with the Clippers. I really loved it because it it reminded me of the it reminded me kind of the the 80s and the 90s style of play. It was real very physical. You saw a lot of bodies bumping around. Mm-hmm. They took on their matchups, but most importantly, you know what? They weren't settling for three-point shots. They were driving that ba- ball to the basket and they were going to ram it down your throat. And I respect that about what they came out and they really set the tone defensively and let everybody know and you saw the referees okay conform to how they were playing we are a physical team we're going to defend every possession we're going to contest every shot 
and the physicality of the game was a beautiful game. And I thought the Lakers never recovered. You know, the Lakers, if you watch the game, you know, the Lakers were getting knocked down. And that was, and the referees kind of just said, you know, this is how the game is going to be called. So, you know, more than trying to figure out what you're going to do when that level of intensity comes, you got to figure out, can you match the intensity of the game? And, and the Clippers right now, they're letting everybody know we coming to take what we believe is ours. And um, they're playing at a high level and Paul George and company are not even there yet. You've got me. You've got me fired up, and and thinking back to the identity of some of Doc's teams, and thinking back to uh, you know obviously the '90s, which we talk about fairly often on here, and and you know off mic as well, and just you know because Paul George didn't play, they put Pat Beverly on LeBron to start the game. They were obviously you you can't go Kawhi the whole night on LeBron, and I thought it was a genius move to start Pat Bev on him, and then eventually switch and take turns with Harkless and, and Green as well. Um, Pat Beverly plays 31 minutes, goes one for seven from the floor, has 10 rebounds, six assists, and just a monster imprint on the game. Um, well, Eric, his monster imprint. You okay, you ready for this, Eric? I'm going to get you really fired up. You ready for this one? I'm ready. I'm, I'm he actually, actually going to get the, the West stance. Coast version of Kevin stance. Garnett right now. He plays. Hold on, hold on. And he's Say it taking again. on Say it again. and assume the role. Say it again. He is taking on the role of Kevin Garnett. He's the West Coast version of it. Okay. Everyone talks about stats and PERs and all of those things. You know what that kid brings every night? He brings effort and he brings energy. And if you don't match that effort and energy, you're going to lose to him. That kid brings it. Yep. He brings it. Okay. There's no way at that size he should be guarding. LeBron James, but the energy that it takes to play against him, you have to match it. That's a talent. When you see a when you see a player bring that level of energy, and Kevin Garnett brought that in the Boston Celtic in the Garden every night. Well, it was a TD Garden. Is that what it's called now? But the TD Garden, the, the house TD that KG Garden. built. But this yeah, this kid here has assumed that role. He's assumed that role. It, it, Every it's, it's unbelievable, yeah, and it's unbelievable. A guy like that can you're you're making a, a, a comparison to tone, vibe, intensity of what Garnett brought to oh his a championship intensity game. Is a, if, if there's Beverly, a loose ball, Pat Beverly being in that conversation is unbelievable. You know what I mean? You know what I would love to see. If there's a loose ball in the locker room, who would get it? Patrick Beverly or Kevin Garnett? <laughs> That's what I would love because be you know every moving. loose ball. Yeah, you know every loose ball, he's on it. You know every every collision that you see on the floor, he's involved. You know, he's involved in in the action. And it's it's contagious. And you saw Mo Harkless and you saw all of those players out there playing with that intensity because it's he brings it. You know, he brings it in the game, he brings it in practice. And the one thing Doc doesn't have to worry about is is this team going to be ready to play? Patrick Beverly is going to be ready to play. This guy is Kevin Garnett. That's the type of leadership you need. You know, he is the emotional leader of that team, and it reminds me so much. And I think Doc understands that. Doc has given him that, and the players know their role. Kawhi Leonard understands what he's there to do. 
win games. He's not there to try to figure out who they're going to be. They are a blue-collar team. They're going to defend for 48 minutes, and they're going to play unselfish basketball on the offensive end. Doc has made the game very simple, Mm -hmm. and it reminds me of the old Celtic, the the, the Celtics that won uh, with Garnett and Paul Pierce and those guys. And when they get Paul George back in the fold, I think they're going to be really, really tough to beat just because of the energy that they expend uh, during the course of a game. This is going to be a tough team to beat. I'm going to have to uh, literally schedule my Clippers game viewing versus afternoon naps when I'm back on the East Coast because I'm (laughs) going to want to watch this team all the time. Um, So battle for L.A., obviously, it's not just going to be a theme when the teams play throughout the season. This is going to be a theme literally every night and a measuring stick. Did the Lakers get better tonight? Did the Clippers get better tonight? What's happening with the fans? What's happening when the guys see each other around town? So we're going to have plenty of stories and and uh, and things to cover aside from when they play. But, you know, pivoting away from L.A. for a moment, you know, we're, we're, we're Thursday. The season is two nights young. Um, you know, is anybody catch you uh, by surprise the first couple of nights, whether it was a a player who looked completely different, a team that gave you a different vibe and spending some time watching them? What What's popping up on your radar there? You know, there was a player who stood out to me. This kid, Luke Kennard, and the Detroit Pistons. You mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I've been watching this kid in the preseason, and the chemistry that him and Derrick Rose have off the bench has been... You know, sometimes things work and you just don't know why they work and you don't understand how they work. But think of this, Eric. Last night, I watched the Pistons, by the way, who had a terrific win in Indianapolis mm-hmm. against the Pacers. And we know that we're all expecting the Pacers to be a pretty good team this year. And they go in there, they go into Indiana, beat the Pacers at home, minus Blake Griffin. And they had a combination last night that was incredible okay they got 48 48 points off the bench between Luke Kennard who had 30 and Derrick Rose who had 18. Drummond had a monster game I mean he had like 31 and 23 32 and 23 for Drummond last night unbelievable that was a monster effort 30 for Kennard 18 for Rose but this kid Luke Kennard the fact that you can get 48 points off your bench from the backup guards. Okay, This wasn't the starting guards. This was the backup guards. What a luxury for Coach Casey and his staff to have that. And then you put Blake back into the fold with the confidence now that knowing that they have a team that can score points, they can get monster efforts and contributions from all around the other guys. You know, I was a it showed me a little something about the character of that team and what they're capable of doing. But more importantly, they can put the ball in the basket. Okay, that's going to be a problem for every team in the league when you know you have not one or but two guys coming off the bench. And we know the game now is played at a pace and space, and you have two guards who can both put it on the floor, cause havoc, shoot with distance. But this kid, Luke Kennard, he caught my eye last night. That was a big-time effort by him and the Detroit Pistons to say, you know what, we can play and we can win and uh, hopefully they'll be able to sustain it. But 
I like it when I see young players take that move. And he had a career night, and um, I'm expecting him to have a terrific year. But that was a big-time effort last night. And, and uh, you know, a shout-out to the Detroit Pistons. That was a big-time win and uh, on the road to, to start the season. You know, looking at this roster quickly, you know, Blake will obviously go into the starting lineup. Markeith Morris will go back to the bench. Um, you know, there's always been this talk of what Tony Snell could be, and maybe he's found the yes. perfect situation there as a complimentary three-man. Obviously gives them great versatility defensively. Here's a question for you, and obviously, you know, your work with Derek and, and your time around the league, you'll have uh, some pretty good insight on this. Reggie Jackson has always been a very talented player. I think teams have, or the league has always thought, you know, he'd evolve into more. He's had some very um, good moments in Detroit. Um, do you see the Reggie Jackson starting Derek Rose potentially as, you know, th yes, they can play together, but I guess my question is, will the Reggie Jackson starting but Derek potentially playing more minutes and being the closer uh, will that formula work? And it'll obviously work for Derek. Will, will that work for Reggie? Will they coexist? Well, I've always liked Reggie from his days in, uh, in college. Boston College. Um, at Boston College. I've always enjoyed him, uh, his size, his athleticism. But when I first saw him in the NBA, where he thrived was playing alongside Russell Westbrook. Yeah, OKC he, he thrived Thunder. In that he, yes, when he was in the OK, when he was in at the Thunder, he thrived in that role. And I remember and, and, and I and, and I say this to say the following. When I first came in the league, I was a backup guard. And I remember Craig Hodges and the veteran guys telling me, how difficult it is to go from a backup guard to a starting guard. Hmm. And I was like, whatever. Well, I was like, whatever. You know what? You're playing in the league, 20 points. If I got 20 points off the bench, oh, man, I could score 30 as a starter. <laughs> but the roles that you have and the responsibility as a starting point guard far exceed that as a backup point guard. And what he is learning and what he what you're seeing is – he thrived when he can just go out and play and be the athlete and do the things in a backup backup role. Even though he was playing starter minutes there in OKC, but he didn't have the responsibility of the starter then. And now that he is a starter, it comes with a different responsibility. And that's what you're seeing with him. So I think as the season goes on, he will actually thrive because he is a terrific little athlete. He's strong. He can he can finish around the basket. And I think the combination of him and Derrick Rose will complement one another because he when I say he, Reggie will uh, that will, this player, Derrick Rose in particular, will allow him to be who he is. And and Derrick will take on some of the responsibility of running the team, and that will allow Reggie to go out there and play and be the athlete that he is. Because the league now is a league full of athletes at his size. And as you know, this is a league now where they're playing smaller and smaller. So I think as the season goes on, he will act, you will see him actually – return back to form that we all loved and saw earlier in his career. Hmm. Being a starting guard 
is a different it's a different beast all into itself even though you're playing the same position but the responsibility that you carry once you become that starter is different and i think you know what that that's what you're seeing uh with reggie it is sometimes it's, it's more difficult for some than others and uh but i expect him to be playing at a high level because when you have good guard play especially in the nba you always have a chance in this league and they're going to win their fair share uh, of games with Reggie Jackson, Derrick Rose, and Luke Kennard. That, those are three quality guards that you can go out there and compete night in and night out in this league. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And um, the, the, the versatility here, the lineup options, Derrick clearly in a really good place, obviously, at this point in his career, mentally and physically, coming off of the great comeback season last year. So we will definitely keep an eye on the Detroit Pistons in Brooklyn last night. As you can expect, Kyrie Irving was uh, Brooklyn ready for a, a big performance and uh, making a statement as he returned to, uh, I put in quotations, his, his home, even though he's from a different state, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, <laughs> and he put on a show, 50 points. Um, Kyrie obviously has some capable teammates there in Brooklyn, but... We are uh, still a year away from seeing what this team uh, is going to be fully stocked with KD back. So, you know, Kyrie on full blast every night. Do you see him reading the situation every night? Is he going to try going Iverson on people? Is he going to be more of a floor general? How do you see Kyrie uh, approaching the season knowing, all right, he's he's got a big workload ahead of him, but he's got some capable teammates around him as well. Well, that's the difficult balance of being a point guard, especially today, is when to pass and when to shoot. We all know Kyrie is is and has always been an excellent scoring guard in this league. I mean, this kid is more than capable of putting up numbers like that. You know, this this isn't something new. I mean, this kid is very capable of going on outbursts of scoring, whether it's outside, inside, in transition. I mean, he, this kid can score. Now, he's going to have to figure out how to have the delicate balance of seeing when to pass and when to shoot mm-hmm. because they have very capable players, and they have players here that have won. I mean, they, they went to the playoffs last year. I mean, you know, a lot of people say they overachieved, and, and I don't think anyone expected them to do what they did last year, but this team is a very confident team. They have some really good young players. And now with the addition of Kyrie Irving, I think they're going to have to figure out how to have that delicate balance. So, um, yes, he had a big game last night, um, but we've we've seen this, we've known this about Kyrie. But now the question become the question becomes for him is how to win games and lead a team so that you can maximize who we are. We know what he can do. Yep. We know that he can close. But now it's about the leadership and, and the intangibles that come with that. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it was a great offensive display last night, no doubt about it. It was fun to watch. But in the end, they got, the, they got an L. And uh, they have another game, I think, against the, against the Knicks coming up here yeah, soon. The battle for and New York round one. And uh, Yeah, so you know what? You know, the games are going to keep coming. And, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But – Fun to watch, but if I'm Brooklyn now, we got to figure out how to get a balance here because uh, you can't 
continue to play through one player and 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 and, and allow that player to give that type of energy, you know, yeah. night in and night out. That's not that's not a formula for success. No, I mean, listen, he he took 33 shots in 38 minutes. He was very efficient, going 17 of 33, including 7 of 14 from deep. Lavert gets 20 points on 19 shots. Torian Prince has a terrific game, who I really like. He has 15 points and 11 rebounds. Dinwiddie off the bench. He only played 18 minutes. He had 14 points. Um, there's capable guys there. I, I just think this is going to – this chemistry build is going to take a little bit, but there's a lot of complementary perimeter skill sets here where, you know, b between shooting the three, uh, the dribble drive and kick – you know they they do a they do a, a really good job trying to get out and run after getting stops and clearing the board. So um, this is this is a situation where him and the team, once comfortable, uh, should be able to thrive and get into into rhythm. Now their opponent last night, I think, showed us a lot. Uh, and this is just pivoting quickly to you know teams going on the road and winning opening night. So. You've got Minnesota winning in Brooklyn in a raucous environment. You've got Denver and Portland, a rematch of that great seven-game series in the second round last year, and, and Denver enacts some revenge opening night winning in Portland, and, of course, as you mentioned before, uh, Detroit at Indiana. So, you know, from from your experience as a player and, and looking at the league now with all the hype leading into the season, you know, how tough is it to open on the road against a, a really formidable opponent uh, with all that energy and emotion that, that's in the building that's that's working against you? Well, the first game of the season is always, you know, it's kind of a give or take game. It's like playing a team that just won the championship. You know, the, your, your rhythm is thrown off, right? You have the – at the every season in every arena, there's some type of display opening – night display right kind of throws your rhythm off there's a the introductions are a little longer they announce the entire team instead of just the starters so i i don't put too much into the first game but you know what you got to recognize a win is a win and you, you 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 take it you know every win is is always an important win because it's so hard to get a win in this league so i don't put a, too much into it but at the same time you know the the teams you know denver going into portland Portland, you know, they, they they know what they're playing for this year. They're going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. So make no doubt about it. They are they were aware of the importance of that game. I thought Indiana and Detroit, you know what, that that was a good game. And there were a lot of teams here um that especially in the Western Conference, okay, the 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 West is gonna be incredibly tough. And every game is going to be magnified because you you know it's you have a lot of teams out there that are battling for, for those top eight spots. So, um, but it's just one game, a lot of basketball to be played, and uh, a lot of times, my friend, for you and I to get on the podcast and uh, let the people know what we see out here. Absolutely, I'm I'm really looking forward to my first deep dive league pass evening uh w once back at uh east coast headquarters but you know just 
some some big numbers, even though the Pacers lost. Sabonis signs a new contract and goes out and gets 27 points and 13 rebounds to open the season. Carl Anthony Towns has a huge game in uh, in Brooklyn, including seven made threes. So uh, we're already seeing, uh, and obviously the Kyrie performance, the Kawhi Leonard performance, we're, we're, we're seeing big stuff to start the season. So um, Golden State Warriors, obviously going to be a, a very different kind of year for them. Um, they open, you know, by the time you're listening to this, they would have played the Clippers on Thursday night. So uh, a, a big opening night for them in their new uh, arena, going from Oakland to San Francisco to the Chase Center. Uh, this week, Steve Kerr you know, came out and first said, you know, we're not going to see Clay Thompson this year. Then he backtracked a bit and says it's unlikely. Um, a, what do you think of Kerr's timing in coming out and kind of leaking something like that? And and B, do you think it's it's healthy for the Warriors, starting with the the guys in the locker room and the coaching staff? Do you think it's healthy for them to just stay in the mindset of we're likely not going to have Clay Thompson this season. This is who we're going to be, and let's move forward in this fashion instead of putting a date on the calendar and hoping. Well, if I can take you in the mindset, Erica, of of the player, especially the player that's injured, Clay Thompson. You know, people put time frames on this, and I've had clients in the past that have had this and sustained this injury. And in the mindset of Clay Thompson, you know, when you first get injured, you know, the, the first question, which is a natural question, when can I come back? Because you want to get out there, you know. Nine months to a year is the, a realistic answer when you're going to start feeling better. But as you're going through this process, day in and day out, you begin to realize the difficulty of coming back, not just getting healthy where you can walk around. You're talking about guys playing in an NBA game. And the reality sets in when you realize this isn't a video game where you're just going to come back and start playing. And it's very important that, yes, we address physically this player may be healthy to play. Mm -hmm. But mentally – we don't know where this player is at, <laughs> okay? Mentally, we don't know where this player is at. If you want to know what it takes to be an NBA player or a professional athlete, it just isn't the physicality, how fast you are, how high you can jump. Your confidence is everything. And I don't care who you are, you don't just come back from ACL injury as a guard because – the guards have to experience the game in a way that the bigs don't have to. They have to play with speed and quickness. Klay Thompson, I don't care if he's healthy when he comes back, the speed and quickness that he's going to have to have to play to the Klay Thompson and the barometer he set for himself, that's going to take time. That may be a year or two before he gets back to that point. Okay, you don't just come back from the injury like that because there's so many things psychologically, the mental game, his, where's his confidence going to be? The rhythm. The game the rhythm, changes. The rhythm. The rhythm of the game. They have a new team, you know. We may find out that he may not have the speed and quickness when he first comes back to guard all of the point guards and all of the, the, the things that he's done that we've come accustomed to saying this is how Klay Thompson plays. So this isn't something that you just come back plug him back in and say, okay, let's go. This is going to take time. And I think Steve Kerr 
realizes that and don't want to put the pressure for him to have to come back. Look, if it takes a year, which it will, inevitably it's going to take it's going to take two or three years. Okay, if we can be radically honest here, he's not going to just come back and start playing. This kid here is six seven. He has terrific speed and quickness, great footwork, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're just going to throw him back out there? No, it's, it's that's not how this works. So let's see how this plays out, and let's give Clay the ability to come back and play when he's fully healthy because any athlete will tell you the worst thing you can do is to go out there and be playing a game and and, and thinking about, well, can I cut? Can I move? Can I stop? And that's not what we need. What we need is a healthy Clay Thompson, whenever that is. If he's able to come back this year, phenomenal. Great. If he's not till next year, that's that's okay too. You we because you don't know. There isn't a set time frame when an athlete is gonna come back. The bigs come back a little different because they're they're not utilizing and they're not relying like the little guards do on speed and quickness. So I think Steve did that more to let Clay know there's no hurry here. But more importantly, take your time because experimenting during the game is not the place. And I think that's very important for any athlete not to feel that pressure because, you know, you're dealing with your health and you don't want to see that injury. Yeah, I don't like to see any injury, let alone that injury. And um, so just, you know, whenever he's ready, he'll be ready. And uh, I'm sure the team knows that. But I think it's important that the coach, and I think Steve Kerr, did an excellent job by alleviating that pressure of saying you got to come back or else. You know the the amount of things. I know that's a vague, blanket description, but the amount of things that need to go right to get back in that timetable, and then feel good and find your rhythm quickly. I mean, there's there's literally right. no margin for error there, and every player, whether it's a guard, a wing, a big, but every player recovers, evolves their game, gets their confidence back, puts the injury in their rearview mirror, all at a different pace. So as much as we'd love to see Clay Thompson this season, I I don't think we should count on it because what the Warriors have also successfully done is they've set up the next wave of continuing to be a high-level contending team. They're just going to be doing it in a different fashion you know, obviously Draymond, Curry, and Clay are all signed, but these new pieces and these compliments um, are all new to the Warriors. So, um, you know, the the, the question I, I want to ask about Golden State before we move on, you know, Steph will be, you know, turning 32 this season. Um, I was in this conversation yesterday where I think he's going to be on a very uh, closely monitored uh, minutes count. I don't think we're going to see things like load management or anything like that. Um, but, you know, with D'Angelo Russell being able to uh, obviously run the offense and have explosive scoring nights and Draymond Green also as a, a playmaking, uh, you know, point forward type of player, I think they need to keep Steph's minutes um, in check. My question for you is, you know, do you believe in this Warriors depth and do you feel like they're going to closely monitor uh, the load that Steph Curry is is trying to carry this season? Well, you're going to have to definitely balance his load because his responsibilities are going to change. 
And look, Steph Curry, what he has done offensively speaks for itself. He is one of, if not the, the one of the best shooters to ever play in the game. I mean, the, for the, sure, the kid can score from anywhere. Now, in saying that, Steph Curry is going to have a responsibility that he hasn't had thus far in his NBA experience, which is he's going to have to defend the other team's point guards night in and night out. That's a fact. I mean, he's going to have to accept that responsibility because Klay Thompson and Andre Iguodala have been there to guard the other team's lead guards or scoring guards. And that's going to be a different challenge for him. And physically, that's going to be different for him because, you know what, playing against speed and quickness, let me tell you, as a, as a former player, you know, these guys seem like they're getting faster and faster every year. I always go back to my story. The first time I saw Allen Iverson, I was about 31 or 32 years of age. And that guy was moving so fast, <laughs> okay, that, you know, I, I was like, wow, I, 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 this, this, is, this is different. And when you, when, and I say that to say this about Steph Curry, you know, he's got to guard now De'Aaron Fox. Yep. He's going to have to guard Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose and Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving and this, you know, Trey Young and, you know, it just, it never stops. And I think that's going to be different. So the amount of energy that he's going to have to defend this year and score and the responsibility, I think is going to, you don't want it to overwhelm the player because you know what, you can, you can just easily wear yourself out. But again, if anyone can do it, I think he can because, uh, he, you know, he is a pro. He understands what needs to be done. But I think it's a tall task. And I think what Steve Kerr and staff would be looking for is looking for a player who can step up on the defensive end to relieve him of some of that pressure and that responsibility. Because you're going to – they're going to need a year of – I'm going to say 30 or more points from him every game to be able to make it to the playoffs. Now, is he capable of doing that? Yes. But at what expense? I think that's the, that's the balance. I mean, you know, I saw him going for 30, 40 in the preseason. So clearly yeah, he, will be so the, the, he will be the one, two, and third option in the offense. And then they can find that second score, D'Angelo. Because what are you going to really ask for Draymond? You're going to ask Draymond suddenly now to be, become a, a third score or a 20-point score? I don't think that's what he does. But again – I, so I think most of that scoring load will 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 rest on uh, the shoulders of Steph Curry, but it's going to be a lot to ask him to do that and defend these other guards because uh, speed and quickness that's tough, and uh, the way these teams play and the way these guards are moving and running that's going to be a tough task for anybody. Let's say he plays thirty six minutes a game. I, I'd like to see his minutes down around 32. But let's say he plays 36. Yeah, but he can't do that. He no. can't do that with this of team. Of course. So let's can't say he plays 36 team. minutes a game. What do you think? 20, 25 shots a night should be the norm, should be the goal? I mean, I think thir- I think with – and you always do a great job yeah, of reminding yeah, yeah, yeah. me look, this. Look. There's so many more possessions in the game now, like – well, getting 30 here, here's with that many thing. possessions in that many minutes, taking that many shots, is a formula I could see being pretty pretty natural for him. 
you know, when I watch the when I watch an NBA game, I always watch it from the defensive lens. You know, playing with Kevin Durant, playing alongside Klay Thompson allows you to play one-on-one basketball. You're going to see a different defensive schemes versus Steph Curry this year. Because he when you when you have Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, it's very difficult to double team. This year, this very true. it's not going to be difficult. It's, it's not going to be difficult. Teams will be attacking him. So if, if he has the energy to get up that many shots, okay, it, it, it takes it takes a lot to get up 20, 20, 25 shots when you are the focal point, mm-hmm. when you are the focal point of the offense. So, again, I, I, think, it's, I, I think it's asking him to do a lot. You know, I don't, I, you know, look, it, and, I, and just knowing the energy that's needed to do that, to get up 20 shots a night as a point guard, knowing that you're going to get doubled and triple teamed. And, and you know, he's, he's not a little man by, by no stretch of the imagination. But when you're talking about the size of the people and the body and the bruises and the physicality that he has to run his body through, that's a lot. Eric, it's a lot for anyone, especially when we know he's going to be the focal point of this this team, and they need him to score thirty points a night just to win the game. For sure, for sure. Some, so some numbers. I, I just think it's going to be overwhelming. I think it's just going to be overwhelming for him. And you know what? I think you got to think big picture here. I think you want him to play. I think you want him to have fun, but at the same time. You know, going through that grind at 32. Yeah, I, I, it's. I don't know. I don't know. There's a fine line. I don't know where that gets you. BJ, there's yes. a fine line here. They need to compete. They need to be in the playoffs, but they need to play the long game here. They need to extend his career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some mm-hmm. great numbers here from 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 Mike Lieber. Last five seasons, he's played between 32 and 34 minutes a game, and in that same time span, the field goal attempts sit between 17 to 20. So we see those minutes tick up a little bit more. We see those shots tick up a little bit more. Obviously, the style of play is going to change a bit with uh, no clay on the floor, the addition of Russell, Durant gone, no clay in the lineup. Um, I, I hope they play him off the ball a bit, a bit more when him and Russell are on the floor together. Uh, also have Draymond handle the ball a bit and, and take that load off of him, run him off screens, uh, really tire out the defense off the ball that way. And uh, nonetheless, they're going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. Before we wrap, you know this because I go on and on about it every week. I love NBA Friday. Sinking into the couch, dinner, games, strange text messages from you about what you're watching. Um, <laughs> so first NBA Friday night, um, you know, some some notables on here, but. You know, quickly, um, two games that it's the ESPN doubleheader, actually, that I've got circled that I'm really interested to watch. It's Dallas going into New Orleans, obviously no Zion there. uh, But, you know, New Orleans is going to be, you know, real competitive uh, nonetheless. And then Utah at the Lakers, as we see the Lakers now um, with their first quote-unquote home game at Staples. Lakers, what do you 
What do you think the sense of urgency will be Friday night after what they experienced Tuesday against the Clippers, knowing knowing they have a very good Utah team coming in? Man, Eric, boy, you're putting me on the spot. You're putting me on the spot, Eric. But I love it. Like you didn't I like you it. didn't know that was coming. I, I I love it. Well, I think the sense of urgency here, it's very clear that the Lakers and their fan base are expecting a championship. Let's just start there. So the pressure for this team to perform night in and night out is there. They have Anthony Davis. It's been well talked about, analyzed, looked at in every, from every angle. Now they have Anthony Davis. Now they have LeBron James. Now they have the team in place that they, you know, that they said that, that they needed. Now it's time to go out and win games. And this will be a good test for them. They'll be at home. You know, even though they played in Staples Center, they were the visiting team when they played the Clippers. Yeah. But now they will be at home, and they will be the home team. And this Utah team is a formidable opponent. I watched them last night. Donovan Mitchell was spectacular. They have, they they have depth. Um, I like this team. They're well coached, and I'll be at that game. I'm going to go watch that game because you know what? If the Lakers lose this game, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. What will, you know what? What will there, Saturday there, there morning going to be, be a like sense of LA. urgency? Yes, exactly. Because you know what? They can't afford to have a slide here in L.A. because the expectations are so high, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. So I think if they don't win this game on Friday, okay, and, 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 I, and I'm not one to get into must games, but this is a game that's very important for the Lakers because they have to set the tone that they can play because I didn't like what I saw in game one. Hmm. And not the fact that they lost the game. It's just it's somehow it, – it, it's when you have an, a championship – mentality you never lose the game because of effort and energy the effort and energy that the Clippers played with far exceeded the effort and energy of the Lakers yep and this team in Utah is feeling good about themselves this team in Utah has confidence and they have a young budding star who feels that he can be one of those players and when I say one of those players one of those guys who can lead his team and Donovan Mitchell they have a, a great little uh, guard in Mike Conley. They have a defensive player in the year in Rudy Gobert. And they have a plethora of supporting players that are professional, that are, you know, they are professionals in this league. So I think this will be a good test. I'm expecting a great game. I'm going to be down at Staples Center. And uh, please come up and say hello. Holler at me if you see me. Love it. I'm going to be down there ready to ready to go. This is going to be a good game. I expect the atmosphere to be terrific. Now we're in the Laker building, and we know we're going to have all of the Laker stuff going, but the the Utah Jazz, <laughs> I know they feel they can win this game. So, uh, you know, game two in L.A. should be just as good as game one. A lot of juice Friday night. Looking forward to seeing Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis battle in the paint. Um Lakers, the schedule makers were very good to them. They start the year on the road in L.A., <laughs> and then they've got the Jazz Friday, and then they've got Charlotte and Memphis at home uh, to follow up. So the Lakers could get uh, could get right very quickly here with a, a good win against Utah, and then obviously two teams they should handle easily in Charlotte and Memphis at home. 
to, to start the season. I'm really looking forward just to seeing Porzingis and Doncic on the on the stage in New Orleans, despite Zion not being out, uh, not being uh, active. Excuse me. Uh, I, I think that place is going to be uh, electric in New Orleans on uh, on Friday night. So, uh, got a great double header. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, about your Staples Center experience. And uh, we're back in rhythm, my friend. This was uh, this was great hey. today. Let's do it. I'm in a triple threat right now. I'm in a triple Shop threat right now. Ready. Shop pockets <laughs> ready. I'll deliver it as always. Well, I want you to enjoy your Friday night at Staples. You and I will be in touch over the weekend. And uh, another great one today as we finish week one of the 2019-2020 NBA season. For my partner, BJ Armstrong, producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops media team, a special thanks Make sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. Interviews from Catch and Shoot. We've had so many good ones uh, dropping on Wednesdays. Last week's was the Carolina Way, uh, featuring uh, Larry Brown talking about Dean Smith, which was just a, a great listen. And then Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, of course, with the one and only Monica McNutt each and every Thursday. We will be back next week at least once, maybe twice. Stay on your toes. Listen. Follow, share, enjoy. Always remember, stay pure. Have a great weekend. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.